Um, during Bible study over the last two or three weeks, we've been talking about Joshua and reading him about him. Yeah. Uh, perhaps doesn't get as much uh, talked about as uh, other people in the Bible, but um, he had a bit of a tough task, didn't he? He was taken over from Moses. Yeah. And Moses had proved to be a good leader. He led the people for 40 years. Yeah. Until he was 120. And then God said, this is it. You're not going into the promised land. And we don't know what happened to him because God took him away. And it must have been something different, special because he came, came down to see Jesus in the New Testament with Elijah, didn't he? So uh, he must have been a bit like Elijah, taken away. Not, didn't die, but taken away. But this is what the Bible says about Moses, yeah? And uh, it'd be very intimidating taking over from Moses when God said this about him. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none equal to him, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants and all his land and all in the mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. So it's a bit of a daunting task when God thinks about Moses and he's then asked Joshua to take over. So, uh, you know, it's like taking over from Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, yeah? Impossible task, nobody can do anything like that, yeah? Um, like it's going to be like taking over from Donald Trump in America. <laughs> it must have been a daunting, but God had appointed him so he knew what he is. And, um, it wasn't an easy task because the children of Israel were a pretty difficult pe- bunch of people to deal with, weren't they? They never seemed to be happy. They never seemed to want to do what God wanted them to do, what Moses wanted them to do. So it wasn't a, an ideal job to have, yeah, as a, to be responsible for that. But God had appointed him, yeah. Um, but God did sort of get, help him on his way, yeah. He did a couple of things which must have shocked the people of Israel into knowing that this man is appointed by God, yeah? A bit like Moses did when he crossed the Red Sea. When he went into Jordan, he stopped the Jordan so the uh, people could walk across on dry land, yeah? I don't think the Jordan's as big as the Red Sea, but still a miracle that uh, prompted them to say, well, this man must be of God. He was then met by the captain of the armies of the Lord, yeah? Not many people get that, so uh, another thing, yeah? And then, obviously, the story we all know about the, the walls of Jericho falling down, yeah? So God gave him a good start, yeah? God gave him a good start so that people would look up to him and respect him and know that God is dealing through him, yeah? Um, but I think the thing about Joshua is he listened to God, yeah? He believed what God told him. Even though it was a bit far-fetched, you know, walking around for seven days around the walls of Jericho didn't seem to be a good idea to knock them down, but he did as he was told, yeah? He's a good example to us all, yeah? You don't know what God can do by your little element of faith, yeah? But I want to look back a bit further before these things happened, before he took over, and read a bit more about uh, Joshua. And uh, we go back into uh, Exodus 33, verse 7. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. 
Thank you for that. A <laughs> little bit of music peps it up a bit. <laughs> Can you do it again in a couple of minutes? <laughs> now Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting of God with his own people. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of the meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the camp, all the people would rise and stand at his tent door and look at Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the peoples would rise and worship, each at his own tent door. And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his attendant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Wow. It must have been a sight to behold, mustn't that? Yeah, when the cloud came down, the cloud that had been over them used to come down just to talk to Moses, yeah? Everybody must be amazed about it. But only Joshua is in the tent. And that's amazing that he was in the tent when God was speaking to him, yeah? He didn't depart from it, so he must have stayed in there, yeah? So he must have been a special person that God has selected him, yeah? He may not have spoken to him face to face, but if God's outside the tent, it must have been a big experience, yeah? A terrifying experience, yeah? Moving on, let's move on. Can we have some music, Austin, please? <laughs> We're going to move to Numbers 13, verse 1. Numbers 13, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give you to give to the sons of Israel. From each of your father's tribes you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses spent, sent spies from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the Israelites. Now, I always thought it was a bit funny, is... Why did God do it this way? Why didn't God just tell them, go in? He told them in other circumstances, but this way, God must have realized it might not go the way he wanted it to go. When you use people, it doesn't always go the way God wants it to go, does it? But he chose to do it. And as you know, 10 of the 12 spies came back saying it wasn't a good place to go. There were giants in the land. So this is what Moses said. This was what said in Numbers 14, verse 5. Numbers 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the Israelites. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephani, who were amongst those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes as a sign of grief. And they spoke to all the congregations of the son of Israel, saying, the land through which we passed as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into his land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from, the, from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. So Moses must have been a bit... Why did you ask me to do this, God? Yeah. All the people are now upset because of the bad news these ten spies have brought back. 
seem to be a bit afraid, yeah. All the spies had seen the same thing, hasn't they? They all knew that God had delivered them out of Egypt. He looked after them in the wilderness. He'd just taken care of them, yeah. Brought them to where they could go into the promised land, yeah. But they chose to see a different thing, didn't they? Yeah. They had a different attitude. Ten saw the giants, two saw the milk and honey and God's protection. Two choose to believe in God, ten didn't. Yeah. And I believe God is looking for people who choose to believe in him. Yeah. I have faith in him. Yeah. What are we going to choose? What is our attitude going to be? Are we determined to believe God in all circumstances, whatever our feelings, whatever, whatever people say? The children of Israel saw all the miracles and signs they'd seen with Moses. Yeah, they'd seen Moses speaking to God outside the tent. But their attitude hadn't changed, has it, from when they came out of Egypt? They still didn't believe God. They chose to believe what they saw with their eyes. Yeah. And it was almost as if God was saying, this is your final chance. Do you believe me? Are you going to choose to trust me? Yeah. Seeing if they'd changed, yeah. But they didn't, did they? They hadn't changed. And because of this, they had to go another 40 years in the wilderness, going round in circles, yeah. And only two people of that generation, Joshua and Caleb, made it into the promised land, yeah. Everybody else died, missed out on that opportunity, yeah. Now God looked after them in the, in the wilderness, didn't he? He provided food. He said they were well. Their clothes didn't, and shoes didn't wear out. But it could have been much, so much better. They just had the wrong attitude, didn't they? They didn't believe in God, yeah. I'm reminded about uh, three other people who had a good attitude. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Their attitude was different wasn't it they believed God yeah, and they believed God that they were prepared to lay down their lives yeah. I don't think I could say that that's a very tough thing to say is it very tough thing in circumstances to say that Yeah. sometimes it's very easy to say that but that's a bit of a tough one isn't it I wonder what we would think at that situation whether we'd be, be like that Yeah. but I'm sure like me you've had ex- things in your life when God's challenging us to say, do you trust me? Do you believe me? Yeah? It doesn't look sensible sometimes, does it? It looks hopeless. It looks no logic to it, yeah? But God has given us examples in the Bible of people who chose to believe him in circumstances to encourage us, yeah? And if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, Verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now in Haran, the Lord had said to Abraham, 
Go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house, the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you abundantly, and make your name great, exalted, distinguished, and you shall be a blessing of sort of great good to others, and I will bless, do good for, benefit those who bless you. And I will curse, that is subject to my wrath and judgment, those, the ones who curses, despises, dishonors, has contempt for you. And in all your families, nations of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed in faithful obedience, as the Lord had directed him, and not his nephew left with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. It wasn't really good, a lot of detail there what God was going to do, was it? He had to step out in faith and believe what God had told him to do, yeah? Yeah. And because he chose to do that, yeah, we've been included in God's plans, yeah? Because of his faithfulness and steadfast to God. Yeah? He didn't get it all right, did he? He did a lot of things which weren't what God wanted him to do and he tried to do things to make things happen. But in the end, God had his way and did it the way he wanted to do it, yeah? He wasn't a perfect man, yeah? And so it's an example to us that even though he didn't, he failed God in certain respects, God still had a plan for his life. But he was good that he believed what God had told him, yeah? And that's all we need to do in our lives, yeah? We need to do it, yeah? We've all, well, I think most of us here have made one choice, haven't we? We've made a choice to believe God has, Jesus has died for our salvation, yeah? Probably the most important choice we've ever made in our lives, yeah? I always find it difficult to understand if we have free will, then God's got to give us a choice. But elsewhere in the Bible, it says he chose us. And in the Bible, it says he chose us before the foundation of the world, yeah? So it's not very clear how it works, whether we did really have a free choice. But this gift that God has given us of salvation, yeah, if you're given a gift, you have to accept it. You have to choose to accept it, yeah? And so we've all made that choice to accept it and believe in Jesus, what he's done for us, yeah? And thank him for that sacrifice he's made. Yeah? I don't know about you, but God gives us a lot of opportunity to test our resolve in choosing the right things that God wants us to do, doesn't he? Yeah. I'm sure you could speak about it. I spoke about it, yeah. There's circumstances and things happen with you that retest that resolve, yeah. And often I find it's my old man that responds first, yeah. He seems to get quicker to do things than my new man, yeah. And you feel things happen, well, that's not fair, yeah. That's not just. Why me, Lord? Why is it happening to me again? Yeah. And you can easily get into a circle of, yeah, you know, I deserve better, yeah. You know, get with your own righteousness and with your own thing. And you can have a bit of a pity party about it, can't you? But what we want is that little voice in our mind that says, don't choose that route. Don't choose that route to dwell upon it, yeah. Now, we sang earlier, but we didn't quite get it right. Don't look at the problem, look a little higher. And when those things happen, that Holy Spirit prompts us to say, look a little higher. Sure, it's unfair. Life's not fair. Things that happen to us and our families and our friends, it's not fair. Look a little higher. Don't dwell on the problem because it won't get solved. Look to Jesus, who has the plan for our salvation until we die. Yeah? 
Um, it's still hard sometimes, and you go back to it. God needs to remind you to look a little higher, look a little higher, yeah. But without that, you're dwelling on the problem, you lose your peace, you get anxious about it, rather than trusting in God, yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get over that until we are with Jesus, yeah. It's a thing we will face regularly, yeah. God does these things, he brings these things into our life, like the children of Israel, to say, what choice are you going to make? So we can learn from it and learn that it's his plan for our life, not our plans, yeah? We have all of our plans, don't we? We think this is what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. God doesn't see it the same way as us, does he? He goes a different path. And we get a bit anxious and we're not happy about it, but look to Jesus, yeah? We can choose to go our own way, like the children of Israel, yeah? They had a good. They were, had a good life in the wilderness. Yeah, God looked after them. Yeah. Sometimes, though, we'll miss not going where God's asked us to go. Yeah. There may be giants, but it's a better place, and it's the right choice to make. Yeah? So I would encourage you, as I encourage myself, <laughs> let's make the right choice. Yeah. There's always a choice we have to make. There's always a a test that we're having to d- deal with that says. Who are you going to choose? Yeah. So let me find, find, finish with something else that Joshua said. Just one verse in Joshua 24, verse 15. If it is unacceptable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites on whose land you live. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was making the right choices, yeah? I'm sure when he said that, he was having a lot of problems with the children of Israel again. But he said, I don't care what you're doing. I'm making this choice. Let me encourage you, when you don't feel like it, make the choice that God wants you to make, yeah? Don't look at the problem. Look to Jesus, who's our salvation. He's going to get us out of the problem, yeah? Yeah. Now, there's always an opportunity to come and testify about the choices you've made to encourage people, yeah? The choices you need to make so we can pray for you. So come and testify about what God's done in your life. Amen.